your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. Seven thirty-eight. And this month, the International Monetary Fund's revealed that debt levels worldwide hit an all-time high of one hundred and fifty-two trillion U.S. dollars, more than twice the size of the global economy. Which is, I guess, what's most concerning about the number, um, even though it's dizzying in itself. And uh, a majority of this does come from the private sector as well. Let's uh, bring in Abdul Haq Senhaji, Assistant Director of the International Monetary Fund's Fiscal Affairs Department. Good morning from Seoul. Uh, good morning from Washington, or good afternoon, good evening, actually, from Washington. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Can you tell us about this 152 trillion won level, though? How serious that is in relationship as well to the other figure that uh, was released that uh, it's around 225% of global GDP levels. Yes, indeed. The, the, uh, the figure uh, which was, which is, I think, uh, the first time um, the IMF or any other institution had a comprehensive picture of uh, global debt, and this includes both private debt, but also public debt. And as you mentioned, the the number, the staggering number, is $152 trillion. This is for non-financial uh, corporate debt, meaning this is the debt held by non-financial corporates, uh, households, uh, for and the two, the sum of the two constitutes private debt, and then you add to that public debt, and you come up with the total of $152 trillion, or 225% uh, percent of world GDP. Uh, here now, in Korea, the, we know we've got high levels of debt, but um, often it's um, tempered by the fact that it's seen as safer debt, you know, mortgages and things like that. Uh, I mean, what, what do you have to say? I mean, when, when debt accumulates to that overall level, whatever industry it comes from, no matter how it's structured, is it always a worry? Yeah, I think, well, it certainly depends on on what type of debt uh, you have. And, and um, household debt, uh, to the extent that it's not too high, in other words, that households don't hold excessive debt, um, it's okay. Now, remember that what precipitated the global financial crisis was essentially household debt in the United States. Mm. Uh, so no really excessive debt is safe. Not not just, of course, household debt, but, the, you know, the, the way those loans were, were given out and, and the nature yes. of those loans, right? That's I mean, right. have we at least learned from those lessons? That's right. So what we have learned and what we did, the exercise that we carried out in the fiscal monitor is basically to look retrospectively at all episodes of financial crisis that were precipitated by excessive private debt. And what we find is that uh, contrary to uh, the, the common belief is that what drives essentially financial crisis is not public debt is really private debt. So excessive private debt does lead sometimes to uh, to financial crisis. Those type of crises tend to be very, very costly. And um, 
uh, and uh, the, some of the mistakes uh, that occurred in the past don't seem to have led to uh, improvements in the future. Mm. So that's a, a problem that we are trying to address in the current fiscal monitor of, uh, of the IMF. But going forward, I mean, this does not look particularly optimistic. Here we are nearly a decade on from the financial crisis of 2007 and and debt seems to be accumulating even further. Uh, Governments around the world have talked about bailouts and uh, and, and, and paying off debts, but as you say, so much of this is also in the private sector. Uh, Does this pose a serious threat going forward? Um, uh, Certainly... Certainly excessive debt poses a threat, but I think I should come back and basically make the following point, which is although we find that total global debt is very high, that global debt is not distributed evenly across countries. So the bunch or the bulk of the debt is concentrated among advanced economies and some systemic, uh, systemically important emerging markets. So not all countries are basically bearing the same burden in terms of debt. Well, it's interesting there because you could highlight China, for example. China's been seen for some time as being this economic powerhouse that continues to to strengthen despite uh, concerns about it slowing down. Uh, But uh, debt there is also a significant issue, isn't it? Yes. China is one of the emerging uh, markets uh, with uh, a very high level of uh, corporate debt. Uh, And it's I think it's worrying the authorities, it's worrying us. Um, the, the authorities are well aware of the problem and they have the means to deal with it in the sense that as we uh, did in the fiscal monitor, we looked at uh, the balance sheet of the government, uh, not only at the debt but also on the asset side to see whether they have the ammunitions uh, to deal with a possible hard landing if it were to occur. And uh, we are reassured that actually the balance sheet of the government is quite strong. The thing is that um, you know austerity measures are never, for example, popular among <laughs> the public. We've had a, a series of key elections, and we'll again have another very important election in the United States next month. And mm-hmm. what can governments realistically do to to? to do something about this trend of, of growing debt uh, while at the same time pursuing their own policies and, and taking on realistic policies that w- won't cost them their uh, positions? Well, the, the, in the fiscal monitor, we look at um, essentially preventive measures. Uh, in other words, uh, measures to deal with uh, accumulation of debt before it reaches excessive levels. And we look at measures also that the government can take uh, for the current situation where debt levels are relatively high already. So for, uh, if I may start with the preventive uh, mm. set of measures, um, one thing that the government can do certainly is not to pull oil on fire, meaning when, when the economy is, is overheating, uh, to have a fiscal policy that is counter-cyclical, meaning that uh, tries to uh, lean against the wind rather than than pouring more oil on fire, as I said. And uh, what it means is that fiscal policy during a period of expansion, they should, government should be building buffers. And those buffers are quite important. We show that, for instance, if you enter a financial crisis with, with uh, savings, government savings or, or uh, fiscal buffers, 
the duration of the recession and uh, the severity of the recession is significantly less. And the reason is because the government can intervene uh, to prop up uh, economic activity. This is particularly true for emerging markets. Now, that's on the preventive side. Um, on, sorry, on the, on the preventive side, uh, in addition to counter-cyclical fiscal policy, one thing that we, we suggest is to eliminate the debt bias uh, that is inherent in most uh, tax regimes. In other words, uh, many tax regimes tend to favor debt over equity. And this is something that is uh, that has an impact on uh, debt build-up, and we have been recommending this now for a few years, and we will continue to to um, uh, to push for uh, eliminating any tax bias that is uh, written in in uh, tax codes. Mm. Um, once the crisis is on for then, uh, the question, of course, is how to make the recession uh, as uh, as shallow as possible, as less painful as possible. Yes. And fiscal policy, of course, can play a role depending on how much uh, fiscal buffers it had built during during good times. Well, thank you. We are out of time, but it's uh, a pleasure having someone of your expertise and experience in this actually uh, give us uh, some words of wisdom. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm left wondering what on earth South Korea, for example, looking at our specific example, can do about our own mountain of debt, because every time the government comes up with any sort of policy that involves squeezing uh, the private sector or the public, um, certainly doesn't go down very well. And I imagine other countries are in a very similar position. Thank you very much uh, for taking the time to speak with us. You're welcome. Abdul Sanhaji, International Monetary Fund, giving also some preventative measures that can be considered. Um, as we are at this level of 152 trillion US dollars of worldwide debt, just a reminder. 225% of global GDP and not necessarily fairly spread across the world either. So not every country is uh, shouldering the responsibility for that. If you want to have your say, you can get in touch right now. Tweet us at EFM this morning.